0: There we are. Good morning. Welcome to First DC. I'm going to tell you right up front, things are going to be a little bit different today uh, because of our sermon. So I'm just, I've changed. you'll see that the order is a little bit different in the service. Nothing terrible. We're not going to make it too, too drastically different, but just, uh, just mixing things up a little bit because I know we get very, very comfortable in our way of, of worshiping. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about all that later. Well, I'll start off with some announcements, and you 've hopefully been able to watch some of the some of those slides coming up through there telling us about things that are happening this week um, we 've got uh, a an hundredth anniversary committee meeting that 's going to be happening thursday, so you 're welcome to come to that you 're in- encouraged to come to that Saturday. Some people are going to be getting together to make some fleece tie blankets so you're you're invited to help out with that as well and um I want to make sure that I, well, in fact, I'll make that last so that anybody, anybody else that's, that's coming in can uh, make sure we have everybody here that's, that, that, uh, as many as possible. Um, we do have a sign-up sheet for something out here. We don't have, a, don't have a slide for yet. We'll have more details next week. But there's a sign-up sheet out on the board. You've, I'm sure you've heard us talking about a Super Bowl event. Um, where we want to have some a soup contest and a game night. So that's going to be on February 4th, and we realize that's coming up really quick. So that's Saturday. Um, that's Saturday evening, see the sign-up sheet out there. We'll have more details next week. If you sign up and you circle the box that says yes, you're bringing soup. Don't tell anybody what it's going to be. That's the whole idea. It's, uh, you're going to bring your soup. It'll be anonymous. People will sample the different soups and they'll vote for which one they like the most, and we'll see who the winner is. See, see what kind of crazy soup ends up winning the the contest. And hopefully we'll have some fun with some games that night as well. So anyhow, sign up out there and we'll have more details next week. You also hopefully saw that the Bible study resumes tonight. We get back together, but at a new time, six o'clock, and we're going to be going back into the parables again. And actually today, our sermon is a parable, just to kind of give you some idea of what we end up talking about when we're here talking about these parables. We don't spend 10 minutes on it. We get a good hour or more you know, get digging into these parables and trying to, trying to understand how the people there, a first century Jew, would have been understanding these parables. They would have understood it a lot differently than, than we do. And then the, the final announcement I want to make is to make sure you, you mark on your calendar February 12th, that's, Sunday, that's a Sunday coming up, there's going to be a special congregational meeting right after the service. It's going to be an opportunity to share with you some information and some quotes that the property committee has received regarding the front doors and also regarding a fire and security system that uh, that they'd like to, like to put in. So come, um, make sure you're here for that congregational meeting. We're hoping that we would be able to have a vote and maybe... Proceed in whatever way you you decide, so February twelfth that meeting will happen. Is there anything else anything else that I should have shared? Anything else that the, the family needs to know? I feel like we 're spread out again. <laughs> oh. Out. oh, the secret pals okay, that secret pals the sign up sheet was out there we 've had quite a few people. Thank you for signing up, and Vicky has passed out the papers that need to be filled regarding what kind of things you like, what's your favorite, what is it, favorite color and favorite foods and so forth. Mm-hmm. And if, I guess if there's anything else you want people to know, just write on the back, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have a time when you want those back? No, as soon as they can. If they could get it to me today, it would be great. If you can get them back today, wonderful. If not, by next Sunday, exactly. I'm making an executive decision. Okay. <laughs> and I guess it's never too late to, well, if we get two more people to jump in, then... Yeah. <laughs> but then they would know who's their who they're Anyhow.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, so you still have a week or two if you've decided that you'd like to join in and be a part of it as well. Anything else? Okay. Well let's slow down. I I feel myself I realize, man, I'm talking fast, I'm racing. Let's just No, I don't I don't think I'm nervous. I'm just excited, I guess. Let's just pause and slow down a second. And recognize why we're here. Let's, let's pray. Oh, good morning. Good morning, God. Thank you for allowing us to come together here this morning, not for our own benefit, but for yours. We're here because we want to worship you. We're here because you deserve the praise. We're here because we want to praise you. We want to worship you, give you all the honor and glory this morning. So, Father, I pray that everything that we do here this morning would be be pleasing to you. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read a uh, a call to worship from Psalm 103, and I'm just going to pick a couple of verses. It starts off by saying, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. And if we drop down, it says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we'll sing with the praise band about how wonderful our Father, our God, is. I feel like it's funny how it changes from week to week. It seemed like there were about twice as many people here last week as there are this week. So you're gonna have to be twice as loud, I guess.
2: And I'm having a little sinus trouble, so please sing loud. I consider, I thought about maybe doing a Johnny Cash style, like singing way down like this, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll work through it. <laughs> Thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I heard tender whisper. Of
0: This is one of the th- things that are going to be a little different about this morning's service. We're going to go right into singing a couple of hymns, and I invite you to just sit, remain seated, even if it's, even if you've got that urge to stand. If if it's that or if the urge is that bad, go ahead and go ahead and stand up. That's fine. But we're gonna we're gonna sit for these two these two hymns. The first one being hymn number 16, I believe, right? Yeah, let's sing together hymn number 16. Take a moment to look behind you or in front of you or beside you. Tell someone near you that you're glad they're here worshiping with you this morning. It's a little rough out here. (laughs) Even those up on high. Good morning. Okay. And I know this all feels weird, doesn't it? Because we're doing things so differently. But let's um, continue worshiping by singing hymn number 30.
1: Hymn number 30.
0: And we'll take time now to um, to lift up our prayers. I'm going to do this a little bit differently as well. Well, you know what, for the benefit of those at home and especially for the prayer chain, we'll, we'll do it the way, we, the way we normally do it. We'll lift up prayers, praise requests. Um, I think I just realized I said praise requesters. <laughs> praise requests. Um, the first, of course, would be Gary Wilhide. He's still at Hershey Medical Center. Um, I think it sounds like they plan to remove his gallbladder. I did receive word from his daughter that he's not comfortable with any visitors right now. I know mean, I heard some before church talking about how they'd like to get out to see him today. I think um, it sounds like it might be best if you maybe call, call Brenda or somebody um, just first to find out. It, the last word I got yesterday was that he wasn't comfortable with visitors at the moment. So any other prayer requests or any other praises that you want to share over here?
2: So if you could keep Amanda and her brother and sister in prayer Um, their dad passed away this week he was living out in Nevada um, and her brother's out there now um, handling things, so keep them keep them on your prayers. Okay. Yep.
0: Anyway, oh, back in the back, Christine. I just talked to Jenny Long this morning. P- uh, please pray for her and Mike because they are both quite sick. Okay.
1: Back. Hi. Um, I talked to Joyce Carroll yesterday and she's doing well. She seems to be in good spirits. Um, she's going to have her arm in a sling for like six weeks, but she can't move her arm. She also said it sounds like Sam's coming down with a cold now. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh.
2: okay. She's doing
1: well.
0: Anything else? Oh, over here.
1: (laughs) Um, Praises that we have a 17-year-old in the house now. Not him, but my daughter, (laughs) who you very rarely see. Um, And prayers for the Rosados. They're having to probably put a pet down this week. so.
2: Uh, please keep Tim Chrisman in your prayers. He had another round of inpatient treatments this week. Pray for healing.
0: Okay. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay well, was, let's go to the Lord. Well, Father, as we always do, I want to thank you for first of all giving us this day. We know that every one of our, g- our days is a gift from you, and I pray that we we use it productively um, to your to your honor and father you 've heard this list there 's quite a few people who are who are not feeling well they 're um, either down with a cold or some are are much more serious than that, and so we do pray that you 'll Give the the families patience and comfort and peace as they battle through these th- through these um, diseases, through these situations. We ask for comfort for families who are dealing with with the loss of loved ones, as the as the Ruth Baker family is, and um, also the Rosados as they will be dealing they will be grieving um, later this week. We. Uh, we just thank you for, for being a healer, for being our protector, watching over us, taking care of us when we do run into these problems. Thank you for being there with us. Thank you for preparing doctors. Thank you for having them know exactly how to take care of the problems. We, we praise you for those who have come through procedures Successfully, and you know, who are at the moment healing. We pray for that healing to be successful. Father, we thank you for just the way that you not only take care of us, but you provide for us through the week. We ask you to accept the offering that we take today and that you would bless it and use it in whatever way you wish that would be to your honor and to your glory. And Father, now I just ask you to guide me through the sermon. Thank you for being with us through this service, no matter how out of sorts it might feel. We know that you're here with us. We know that what's important is what's in our heart and how we're expressing our praise and our worship to you. So guide us through the rest of the service. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I mentioned, and as I've pointed out, just because it has really, feel, has really felt strange that this was intentional this morning, our 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 scripture, the lesson this morning, and the text you'll see you'll see why I why I wrote why I just mixed things up so much. It was so tough. I really wanted to get radical and just wear a pair of jeans and a t-shirt this morning to break a traditional, a, a, you know a, a a traditional rule about church, but you can see that it's a rule that's so ingrained in me that I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I understand. I understand how how these rules end up becoming in place, and they just stay in place. And we're going to talk about it, but um, just know that I'm, I'm preaching to myself as well as we go through this. Um, today, like I said, our, our message is about dealing with religious traditions, and we know every church has them. And I tell you what, in that vein, I'm going to ask you to go back to an old tradition that I remember from this church, and I'm going to ask you to stand as I read today's scripture text. So would you stand as I read from Luke chapter 5, verses 36 through 39. He told them, Jesus told them a parable. He said, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we find in it. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our ears, our eyes, our hearts, so that we can receive your message clearly. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned last week, we're going to spend the next three months walking through the Gospel of Luke. And this journey is going to take us through Holy Week when we're going to see the public outcry for the crucifixion of Jesus. Now just a few weeks ago, we were hearing about Jesus as a little baby, as, a, as the king being born, and everyone was looking for him. Angels, shepherds, magi, they were all celebrating his birth. The world was excited to see him. But we know he grows up, he becomes a rabbi, He collects a group of ragtag men to follow him around and to learn from him. And in just three years after that, they're witnessing his death, a death reserved for the worst of criminals. The world was no longer excited to see him. So how did this happen? What led to that change in sentiment? Why did the world hate Jesus so much that they wanted to kill him? That's what we'll try to answer as we journey with him through Luke's gospel. So last week, Jesus began his ministry by suffering through 40 days of being tempted by the devil. And he was able to resist all those temptations, and the devil left him, you remember, until an opportune time. And so after that was completed, then Jesus goes to Nazareth. He starts teaching in a synagogue. He reads a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. And he reads that, um, that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me and continues on. And, and he finishes by saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And that makes them a little bit concerned about what he's thinking about himself And then he actually does offend them by telling them that no prophet is accepted in his hometown. The people get upset, they take him outside of town, and they're going to throw him off the side of a cliff. But he walked through them, went on his way. He got out of that one. But you can see how the people, all the religious people, were starting to get a little uncomfortable with Jesus. And then he drives out an impure spirit. From a boy, he heals a whole bunch of people, including a paralyzed man that they lower down through the roof. Jesus tells that man, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees say, whoa, 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 whoa. They don't like that. He's not, only God can forgive, right? It's something that the religious leaders just can't accept. Reading from 5 Chapter 5, verse 21, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy, who can forgive sins but God alone? And then the, the rest of the interaction kind of made me think of that courtroom scene in the movie A Few Good Men. I don't know if you remember that from quite a few years back. And I wanted to get a clip from YouTube to, to show you, but you just can't get past the foul language, so I'll just have to describe it for you a little bit. Hopefully you remember as I'm explaining it. It's a, it's a scene in the courtroom, as I said, with Tom Cruise as an attorney, and he's trying to get Jack Nicholson, the, the colonel, to admit that he did something. And they are just back and forth with it for a while. it really starts getting heated. And at one point, Nicholson screams, you want answers. And, and Tom Cruise says, I want the truth. And Nicholson says, you can't handle the truth. Well, that's why I used that for this morning's, this morning's sermon title. You can't handle the truth. The Pharisees are asking for the truth. Jesus is giving them the truth, but they just can't handle the truth. So Jesus finishes with the paralyzed man. He walks outside and he sees a tax collector named Levi. We know him better as Matthew. Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. That's exactly what Matthew did. And one of the first things that Matthew does then is put together a big banquet for Jesus. And he invites all of his friends, a whole lot of his friends. Well, you know what that means. The only people that like tax collectors are their tax collectors, Right? So, Jesus is enjoying this wonderful meal with Matthew, the former tax collector, and a whole lot of other tax collectors. And Luke says he's with a large crowd of tax collectors and others. And of course, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were constantly stalking Jesus, they can't believe what they're seeing. They complain to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now I have to tell you a little story about one of the young men back at Cumberland Vista. If if you haven't heard already, before we came here in July, I spent three years at a personal care home for adults with intellectual disabilities. I was helping to manage that. It's in Dillsburg. And one of the one of the young men, and that's that's the Cumberland Vista I was talking about, and one of those residents, a forty year old young man, his name is Derek he has this interesting way of communicating with other people in the room. For instance, if the staff person on duty that day, let's just say they're, they're named Vicki, um, he would come out into the, into the room and he might, he might not even look at Vicky, but he would just say something like, I asked Vicky, is Jeff going to pick me up this afternoon? Well, the funny thing about that interaction is that I'm standing right there. You know, he, he could just look at me and ask, but he just can't do that. For some reason, he doesn't ask anybody anything directly. If he had a question for Vicky, he would look at me then, and he, he'd ask me the question about Vicky. He rarely would ask his question directly to the person involved. That's what the Pharisees are doing. You know, they're asking, Why do you disciples eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Tax collectors and sinners. You couldn't get a worse bunch. You guys need to do a better job of picking who you eat with. They're complaining to the disciples, but their problem is really with Jesus. And they know he can hear them. So Jesus responds. He says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You don't need help if you got it all together, right? Right? You don't need a doctor if you're not sick, and you don't need a savior if you're not a sinner. Jesus has only come to call sinners to repentance, so that doesn't really narrow things down much, does it? But the Pharisees kind of think it does, right? <laughs> They've got Jesus's attention at this point now, so so they go ahead with a a, a religious violation. They they throw a flag. And they say, John's disciples, that would be John the Baptist, the person we know as John the Baptist, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Flag, violation. Well, here's the problem. Jesus wasn't being religious enough for them. He wasn't following the religious rules that had been created by the Pharisees. Everybody else is fasting. You should be fasting too. Now, we're not going to go there yet, but in the next verse, Jesus explains why he's not fasting. But let's just stop for a moment and take a look at why the Pharisees thought that he should be fasting. According to biblical law, according to what God had commanded, the Jews were required to fast, but only one time a year on the Day of Atonement. That's what God told them that they needed to do, one day a year. But that wasn't good enough for the Pharisees. They created their own set of laws, which included a requirement for the Jews to fast two days per week. God had said one day a year. The Pharisees said, we ought to do it two days every week. How did they come up with two days? Well, because somehow they determined that Moses went up on the mountain on a Thursday, and he was there for 40 days, which means he returned on a Tuesday. So, he left on a Thursday, returned on a Tuesday. That means we need to fast on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That was their rule. And that's how they came up with it. And to make it even more impressive, they would use ashes and put it all over their faces. Make their faces white like, like death. So at this point, fasting had lost its purpose and its meaning. In addition to the required fasting on the Day of Atonement, people would voluntarily fast as an expression of mourning or of of grief. You see it in the Old Testament when there's a death in the family or when a nation is defeated. From the beginning, fasting was coupled with mourning. So when the Pharisees ask Jesus why he and his disciples are not fasting like everybody else, what they're really saying is, hey, today is Tuesday or today is Thursday. We don't know exactly what day it was. But they're saying, hey, today is a Tuesday or a Thursday. It's the appropriate time for fasting. But Jesus says, nope, this is not an appropriate time to be fasting. As we read in Verses 34 and 35 then, Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. He uses the example of a wedding feast. A wedding feast was a very joyous occasion and it lasted for days, it was a seven day party with people showing up every afternoon ready to, to celebrate again that evening with the eating, with drinking, with dancing. And they would do all that in, into the night for seven nights. And during a wedding feast, anybody who was attending, they didn't have to follow those rules of fasting. All the rules of fasting were put on hold for all those people who were involved in the wedding feast. So Jesus is using that as his example to these Pharisees who are asking the question. And by doing that, he's giving them another clue about his identity. When he compares his time with his disciples to a groom and his friends during a wedding feast, the church is the bride of Christ. It's not the building that's the bride, it's the body of believers, Those people who were following him were listening and believing in him. They were the first members, if you will, of of Christ's church. Jesus is the bridegroom. He's there. Rejoice. Throw a party. It's not the time for mourning. It's a time of joy. It's not the appropriate time to be fasting. The disciples will mourn and fast when Jesus is crucified and taken from them. And then Jesus summarizes his message with the parable that I read earlier. He's trying to get them to understand that their old, traditional, restrictive, man-made rules that define their religion are not going to hold up to Jesus' new way of worship. Let me read it again. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. He says, look, when you need to patch an old pair of pants, you don't tear a piece of cloth from a brand new pair of pants and expect it to work. First of all, you've ruined the new pants, and the patch that you put on the old pants is going to shrink the very first time you wash it, and it's going to tear away from the pants, and so now you're left with nothing that you can use. And the same thing applies to wineskins. Wineskins were usually, they were part of an animal and, and it was something with a neck on it that they would pour wine in and it was pliable it would it would stretch and so when they put the new wine in and it started to ferment that expansion would be okay in that new wine skin because it was pliable enough to go ahead and stretch with it think about a balloon as you blow into a balloon it stretches and stretches but an old wine skin is already stretched so if you try to put new wine into that old stretched out wine skin, it's just going to burst. It's that balloon that you've, you've blown to the point where it can't stretch anymore and it's just going to pop. The wine skin is going to do the same thing. When it can't stretch anymore, it's just going to burst. It's going to ruin the wine skin <clears throat> excuse me, and, it's, and you're going to lose the wine <clears throat> and you're left with nothing that you can use. Jesus was bringing something new. You can't mix what Jesus was bringing with the old ways of traditional religion without having something burst or break. But the Pharisees just couldn't handle the truth. Jesus' new way of worship, his new covenant, needed new ways of doing things. Here's how R.C. Sproul describes the situation. He said, you can't just take the kingdom of God and the arrival of Jesus and just put it on top of the Pharisees' tradition. It won't fit. Something new is happening here. There is a new covenant. Yes, it builds upon the old, but it can't be absorbed totally by the old. You have to have a new aspect if you're going to fit into the new covenant. And by extension, you can't have Christ and squeeze him into your old life and expect that to work. We have to give up any old traditions that might keep us from being able to worship God the way he wants. Then the last verse is the part of the parable I think is the most relevant to the church of today. He says, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Now it's true, older wine is better just because it has sat and has fermented and it's it's aged, and that's why you end up spending a whole lot more for an old bottle of wine than a new box of wine, for instance. Um, people consider the older wine to be to be better, but I think we can read this too as a as kind of a conviction on ourselves, how we resist change. Most people are content with the way things are. Most people reminisce about the way things were, thinking about the good old days. But when we focus on the good old days, we just might miss the great new days. The Jewish leadership was content with religious life under the law, So they saw Jesus' teachings as a threat to their system. They were content with the limitations of their old religion and didn't even want to consider anything new proposed by Jesus. We have to be careful. We don't want to become modern day Pharisees. And we think about them being these mean people. But let me point something out here. These Pharisees didn't create the rules just to make life burdensome and just to be mean to the Jewish worshipers. They did this because they were dedicated to observing the law that was laid out in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They were trying to interpret the law and make it apply to their contemporary, their modern life. And it was all driven by their deep reverence for God and a desire to honor him. They thought they were doing the right thing. Their heart was in the right place, you might say. There are a lot of Christians today who are content with their rituals of worship that they don't want to even consider any new ways. They reach a point where in their reverence for God and their desire to honor him, they believe that everybody should be worshiping the way they do. They create a set of worship standards. Some are good, others not so much. That's why I mixed things up a little bit this morning. It felt so strange. It felt weird, even for myself. But we managed to have a nice little worship service without following any kind of implied rules about what has to happen when and whether there's certain things that were included or weren't included. I remember one person who had told me at a former, a previous church. That every service, we should either be saying the Lord's Prayer or the 23rd Psalm. That's supposed to be a part of every service. Well, we've been getting away with not doing it, and I don't think God has any problem with our, our worship. As long as your heart is open to him and you're here lifting up your praises to him, There are a lot of traditions that you probably grew up with. I talked about mine. We we, had, we were supposed to dress up a little bit, and I, I am not judging at all anybody who, who is not wearing a suit, uh, you know, a, a sport coat or a dress shirt or anything, because that's not what's important. But we have to be able to be challenged by new styles of worship, and I'm going to challenge you just a little bit more. I'm going to go ahead and ask the praise band to come on up. They're going to finish us up today instead of a, a hymn. And this worked out, I don't know if you considered it nicely or not, but Gloria got to sit with her family today, you know, instead of being up there at the at the organ the whole time. Um, so yeah, you've got to be able to look at the pros and the cons when you start looking at your styles of worship. But I'm going to challenge you now. I'm, I'm going to invite you. I'm not telling you you have to do this, but I'm going to invite you to let the music move you. Let the music sink in and especially the words, the tune. This is this is an upbeat tune. It's a wonderful praise song. It's okay to clap, okay? I'm just going to tell you. It's okay to clap. And it's okay to move a little bit. Even if it's just the old white man dance where you just want to go left and right a little bit, whatever you want to do. As long as it's genuine, as long as it's authentic, okay? It's okay to do those things as long as you're doing it to honor God i 'm going to share one more Bible story with you from first from second Samuel, and I 'm reading from chapter six, and we see that as the Ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul watched from a window when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. And when David returned home to bless his household, Michael daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and she said. Well, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. But David told her, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. He didn't care. He was honoring God. He didn't care what other people thought about him. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not asking you, don't take your shirts off. Um, if you, if you want to leap and dance, that's up to you. But let's stay clothed. But let's honor God. Let's enjoy this song. And even if you can't get into it, if you feel like you still got to keep your, your hands in your pockets while you're singing, and you don't know the song, just say, God, I love you. God, I love you. All right, let's, let's sing our final praise song. And stand. Gonna, Let,
2: are all going to stand up right we're just going to go right into it. <laughs> you are to God who reconciles way we hard through Christ. The
0: With a song in your heart and with a dance in your step, with the joy of Jesus in your heart, and may God, who loves your songs of praise, bless you and protect you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.